There's two passages of Scripture I want to share with you. And they, they both kind of go hand in hand, even though they're probably 300 years apart from each other. And the really cool thing is that they're talking about somebody that was... Well, one is in Psalms 22. If you've ever read it, you'll know that that's written by David somewhere around a thousand years before Jesus, about Jesus. And the others in Isaiah 53, some 700 years before Jesus, about Jesus. So I just want to share that with you today, and let's, let's look in Psalms chapter 22. And I want you to, <clears throat> as we read this, I want you to remember the things that happened during the crucifixion. I want you to remember the things that Jesus said during the crucifixion. And I want you to see the, the correlation between those events and what these Scriptures uh, foretell about it. So starting in verse 1 of Psalms 22, <clears throat> My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy. O oh, thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered, and they trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. Do you all remember that Jesus was despised? You know, there was a lot of people that liked Him, but those that were in control couldn't stand Him. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip and shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord and that He would deliver him. Let Him deliver him, seeing He delighted in him. Now don't y'all remember that, that they hollered at Jesus and said, Well, why don't you have Him pull you down off the cross then, if God's going to deliver you? But thou art He that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of, ba of Bashan have beset me around. You know, when, the, when they were trying Jesus, when they beat him and everything else, you know, they all surrounded him. And the bulls that they're talking about here is is those that were in charge, the the Pharisees and the priests and all of those that had some sort of authority. Let's go on and read some more. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. And don't y'all think he was probably a little dehydrated, having lost all that blood? 
sweating and, and being beaten and hanging on the cross. I'm sure his mouth was dry. For dogs have compassed me. Now, you know, anytime they talk about dogs from the, the Jewish standpoint, they were talking about Gentiles. So you can, you can see that this was the Roman soldiers that were surrounding him as they hung him on the cross and even afterwards while he hung there. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. We all know that that happened. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That also happened. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword and my... Darling, from the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Let's just stop right there. Why am I telling you all this today? I want you to see that... You know, Jesus, we, we hear all the time of how much He suffered. And you know, we've even seen the movies and and their depiction of the crucifixion and the events leading up to it. And we see this physical suffering. And no doubt there was physical suffering. But I want you all to see a little bit different angle today. I want you to understand a little deeper what really was going on. And I want you to understand most of all, that this plan that God had for our redemption, the Word says it was from the foundations of the world. It was something that, you know, we often look at at what God did is, is almost kind of a reaction to man's sin. Is okay, they messed up, now I've got to fix it somehow, right? But that's not what happened. You see, God had... From the very beginning of time, when, when He decided, I'm going to make human beings, and I'm going to give them free choice, He knew there had to be a plan of redemption. There had to be a way to bring them back into communion with Him and to make them holy, right? The Word says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And we can't do that. Like I said, this scripture we just read was written a thousand years. I can't comprehend a thousand years. I don't understand that. Maybe a hundred years, but a thousand years before He was born. Before He was crucified. Prophecy fulfilled. And you say, how is that possible? The, the worldly mentality, the natural mentality is to look at that and say, well, you know, Jesus read the Bible, the Scripture wasn't the Bible then, it was the, it was the Word of God they had. He, he read that and He knew what to say. But you know, there's a whole lot of detail there. There's a whole lot of detail. And then we could go on and read Isaiah. And I'm going to share some of that with you. Another 300 or so years after David wrote that psalm. Let's just turn there and read some of that now. Isaiah 53. 
We'll start in verse 1. I want you to understand how, how God's plan was put into effect. And you know, the only way that these things could be prophesied in advance and fulfilled in such detail is because God orchestrated them. Because God cared that much about us. He loved us so much. You know, it's easy to say, well, He loved us so much, He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And we, in the, in, in the course of memorizing that verse, John 3.16, we forget the depth at what that means. We forget how, really, how far He had to stretch out into time to make it possible. You know, if He would have done this from the very beginning, it wouldn't have been very impressive, would it? It wouldn't have been very impressive. But when you can see all of these events unfold from the beginning of time to the point where Jesus was crucified, you can say, man, that had to be a plan of God. Somebody that knew what was going to come. Why? Because He put the events in place. That's the kind of power He has. Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Y'all look at the story of Jesus. Where did he come from? He come from nothing. He just come from nothing. I mean, he, his family was not wealthy at all. He was born in a stable. I mean, you don't get much lowly than that. Much more lowly than that. He had nothing. He came from nothing. Verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. Notice that word, smitten of God. I'm going to get to that in a minute. He was wounded for our transgressions. Now I want you all to listen to what this is telling you. It's easy to just gloss over the Scripture and not see what the meaning is. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. What is iniquity? Sin. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. What is chastisement? Punishment. And with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. You see, God took our sin, put it on Him. And because our sin was on Him, He took the punishment for our sin. Because see, the wages of sin is death, is what the Word says, right? He was oppressed, and He was afflicted, 
yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so He openeth not His mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare His generation? For He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of My people was He stricken. And He made His grave with the wicked and with the rich in His death. You see, He was punished with the wicked. When He hung on that cross, He was, he was being punished right along with common criminals. But when He was buried, where was He buried? He was buried in a rich man's tomb. Fulfillment of Scripture. Because He had done no violence, neither was any deceit in His mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He hath put Him to grief. When thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin, He shall see His seed, He shall prolong His days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hands. Why did it please the Lord to bruise Him? Have y'all ever thought about that? Why was it pleasing to God to see His Son not only die on the cross and take all that physical punishment, but I want you to see something else here. It pleased God to punish Him. Isn't that what it says? It pleased God to punish Him. You know why? Because this was the fulfillment of what God had planned. This, was ever, this is where everything came together. And victory was won for us. See, this was God's plan from the beginning. So, it, it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't something he had, to, he had to, you know, all of a sudden give up because he hadn't thought of it. This was God's plan. This was His purpose. This was Jesus' purpose in coming. So it pleased God to fulfill those things in Him so that we would be redeemed. That was His purpose, right? To redeem us. To buy us back. To bring us back into fellowship with Him. Man, yeah, it pleased Him. He shall see the travail of a soul and shall be satisfied by His knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? Shall my righteous servant justify many? You feel justified? Man, I tell you what, when you receive Jesus, you're justified. For He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide Him a portion with the great, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He hath poured out His soul unto death. And He was numbered with the transgressors. And He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You know... I've always looked at the crucifixion and the the punishment that he took, and I've always thought of it in a in a natural sense. I've thought of it as as you know a physical pain, and there was definitely physical pain. But you know what was so much greater was the punishment that God inflicted upon him. See, I never thought about it like this before. I've always thought about the aspect where you know where he said. 
God, why have you forsaken me? As God turning His back on him because he couldn't look upon the sin that Jesus took upon Himself. But I want you to see there's another aspect of this. It's not just that God turned His back on Him and looked away. It was the fact that God actually placed punishment upon Him. You see what I'm saying? Punishment was... I'm talking spiritual punishment was inflicted upon Him because of us. It wasn't just this physical thing. You see, the the punishment that God, the wrath that God wants to show toward us because of our sin is not a carnal, physical wrath. It's a spiritual wrath. An eternal damnation going to hell because of our sin. And that's what He experienced. Man, I can't, I can't fathom that kind of punishment. I look at what my punishment would be if I were to not accept Jesus in the price He paid. Where would I be when I died? I would go to hell, right? Burn for all of eternity. Never to be consumed. Not a moment's relief from pain. Now y'all look at, at Jesus, our Savior... That scripture we read says He took on all of our iniquity. I want you to also understand that because He took on all of our iniquity, He took on all of our punishment. Understand the kind of punishment that is now. You take one person's punishment that's almost unimaginable. How terrible it is. And multiply it by however many... You know, right now in this world, there's 7 billion people plus or minus. That's current. Let's go back through all of time and add those up. Obviously, we can't do that because we don't know how many. But we know it's more than 7 billion, right? Multiply that, that punishment now. Seven billion is a number I can't even understand. It's too, it's too big. But let's, let's break it down into real simple terms. Look at one person's punishment that they deserve because of their sin that is just horrific. And let's multiply by a hundred. We can understand a hundred. He took all of that punishment all at once. God poured His wrath out upon him. You see, I never thought of that before. I never understood. I knew He took punishment, but I never understood the degree to which He took punishment. I never understood fully, and I probably still don't, but I'm getting a better idea of the price He paid. It's a great, awesome price, y'all. Man, He paid something that could never be paid by an individual. It could never be paid, I mean, on my own. If everybody in this world just wanted to try to help me out to cover my sin, it wouldn't be enough. But He took on that punishment for us. And God wanted to tell us about it a thousand and seven hundred years before, and there's many other places in the Bible that 
that prophesy of Jesus' coming and what He was going to do. And you look at how He spanned the ages of time and how He, He took all of these events and used all these different people from different places in the, in the world. And they all tell the same story. Time after time. And then you look at those that recorded His life when He was here and how they were of varying backgrounds. Some of them were somebody. Some of them were nothing. And they all tell the same story. All of those accounts line right up. You look at all of those things and look, I know I'm not very eloquent. I know I could probably sit down and write up a big paper and, and just really knock your socks off with how impressive all this is. But I'm telling you today, He did all of those things and used all of those people to tell one story, to tell you how great He is and the lengths that He went to to save your soul. You know what that tells me? That tells me I'm important to God. That tells me He cares about me. If He's going to go to such great lengths and have His Son take on such awesome punishment, He must care something about me. And you know what that also tells me? If He cares that much about me to go through all those things and to do all of those things to bring me back to Him, maybe I ought to hold a little bit higher regard to what I do with Him. To what I do in His name. Maybe it ought to be a little more important to me because He paid such a great price. If you went and bought somebody a car and drove up and said, here's you a brand new car. Oh, well, thank you. you know, I appreciate it. And you come by their house the next day, and they took spray paint and painted the car a different color. And the window was busted out, and, and all the hubcaps was missing off the car. What would you think about them? Obviously, they're not very grateful, are they? They're not very thankful for the price you paid for giving them that car. They're not thankful for what you've done. Do I have to explain that story? I think we can all see. I think we all understand our relationship with God. We take Him for granted. We take Him for granted a lot. We, we come to expect Him to just be there and do for us. Kind of like we do with our parents sometimes as kids. We take, our, our, we take for granted the fact that supper's just going to be on the table when it's time to eat. We take for granted when we get up in the morning that our clothes are just going to be washed and we can, we'll have something to wear to school. We take God for granted, y'all. He went through a whole lot of effort and, and 
I only have words for it, for what he went through to to bring us to a point where we could just accept. We don't look. We don't even have to do anything. You understand that? All we have to do is say yes. I believe he's the Son of God, and he rose from the dead. And ask him to wash away my sins, and it's done. We don't have to go through any kind of rituals or or following any kind of specific letter of the law. We just have to say, yes, God, thank you. And that's it. It's done. Man, we're spoiled, ain't we? Spoiled. We miss sometimes the most beautiful thing. It's right in front of our face. We take it so for granted that we just we miss out what on out on what it is that God really truly did. We think about it in such such personal terms too that we forget the magnitude of what He did for everybody at one time. How He claimed victory, y'all. The the whole point of being redeemed is just amazing to me. You see, Satan had a right to us. Hey, do you understand that? You might as well say he owned us. Owned us. Because of a choice made by one man to allow sin to come in. You see, he created a contract that day. He decided he was going to choose sin instead of God. He decided he was going to fulfill his flesh instead of do what God wanted him to do. And because of that, Satan had entitlement to us. You see, in order for us to, to be in a different state, there had to be a price paid. Just like I own a car and somebody wants my car, they're going to have to pay for my car, right? It's mine. And Jesus was sent to pay that price. It's amazing what He went through. And it's amazing how quickly we forget. You know, it's always present in our mind when we first receive Him as our Savior. We understand the consequences that we're going to face if we don't receive Him. If we don't accept Him. But how quickly we forget And why is it important to remember if you're not going to have to go back? I don't have to worry about the punishment of hell. I'm saved. I received Jesus in His sacrifice. I believe He was the Son of God. I don't have to worry about that. Why do I need to remember where I was and what I was going to have to pay? See, by remembering where I was headed... I can see where other people are headed. And I can understand the dire consequences for what they're going to face. I can also understand why it is that I need to reach out to them. You see, they're headed for hell. There ain't no other way. There ain't no way but through Him. That's what the Word says. We believe this is the Word of God, then you have to believe there ain't no way but through Him. 
We've got to show Him to people. We've got to show people that there is a way that they don't have to go to hell. I heard a reporter this the other day say, he went in a, they took him up in a U-2 plane. Y'all know, remember the U-2 spy plane? That thing can fly higher than any other airplane ever built. That thing flies so high, you're practically in outer space. You can see the curvature of the earth. That's how high they get. You can see blackness against the earth. They get that high. And this, this foolish man said, he made a comment of how odd it was to be that close to heaven knowing where he was going to spend eternity in hell. Now why would you make a foolish statement like that? You see, if you know that's where you're going, why would you want to go? Why wouldn't you want to do something to change that? Obviously, he don't know the truth. Obviously, he doesn't know that there is one way to get out of that, and you don't even have to do anything for it. The price has already been paid. See, that's something else we miss sometimes. The fact that Jesus paid a price even for those that don't want to accept it. That price has already been paid. That's how great of a sacrifice He made. He's even covered the sins of those that will never accept Him. They'll go to hell not knowing that they didn't even have to go. Now, I don't know the condition of that man. I don't know if maybe he's just chosen. That's where he wants to go because he wants to live life a certain way. But you know, there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know Jesus. You know, it's hard to believe in this day and age. It's hard to believe that somebody is still out there that doesn't know who Jesus is. But you know, I heard the other day that there was this little girl... I don't want to tell too many details, but <clears throat> she went to church because she was put in this place that she was taken away from her family for a brief period of time. And because of who she was with, she was able to go to church. That was the first time she'd ever even heard the name of Jesus. And this little girl, now look, I ain't talking a hundred years ago, y'all. I'm talking now. This year. She began to ask questions. And the lady she asked was just dumbfounded that this girl had never even heard who Jesus is or what, even heard His name. And she said, who is, who, who is Jesus? And this lady just began to tell her. And before it was all over with, she had many questions like that. She didn't know what it meant to pray. No concept of it. It's hard to believe that in this day and age, ain't it? With everything you see on TV and and the way people can communicate and mass numbers now, she didn't know what it meant to pray. But this lady was able to tell her who Jesus was. 
and explain to her what it meant to pray to God and ask Him for something. And do you know that this little girl received Jesus as her Savior? And she began to just pray for everything that she could imagine. Every time something came up, she was going to pray. And then this little girl was sent back to her family. And you may say, now God, why in the world would you have brought her to a place like that to put her right back in it? But you know what? She may be the very one that leads her family to know Jesus. She may be the instrument that God's going to use. And worst case scenario, at least she had the opportunity. But the bottom line is, if somebody would not have had the presence of mind to stop for a little bit, take a little bit of time to explain to her who Jesus was and actually have enough knowledge of what the Word says so that they could tell her who Jesus was, that little girl would have missed her maybe only chance. That little girl may have never had another opportunity to hear who Jesus was. And we get so spoiled. Why do I need to care? Why do I need to remember how great that punishment was that I was going to receive? I'm already saved. That's selfish, ain't it? Selfish. See, the Word tells us, you know you have passed from death unto life because you love the brethren. Do you all remember what the second greatest commandment is? That's right. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why did, why did Jesus say that? In fact, He said, if you just handle the first two commandments... That'll cover everything else. If you love God and love your neighbor, everything else will take care of itself, right? But I'm okay. You see, I'm I'm saved. I know I'm trying to beat this to death today. I want y'all to really understand where I'm going, though. I want you to see that there's a whole lot of people today they don't know God. We think in this, in this county, you look at the number of churches in this county alone. It just boggles my mind. And they're still... Look, we ain't talking about New York City. We ain't talking about Los Angeles, California. We're talking about Kennard, Texas. Covered up with sin and iniquity covered up with those that don't know God. And most of them don't care to know Him. You know why? Because of the example Christians have set to them. They look at that and they say, man, I don't want no part of it. I don't want to be involved in it. Those bunch of hypocrites. You know why? Because there's so many Christians today that are selfish and they say, I'm good. My family's good. What else is there to worry about? But we forget the price He paid. He didn't just pay it for you. He didn't just pay it even for those He called. He paid it for all of them. 